0: This morning, we are wrapping up our series on teach us to pray. And we've been leading into this Lord's Prayer, this space of really it's this incredibly powerful prayer that Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray. But here's one of the issues that we have with prayer, if you're anything like me, is oftentimes we have this disconnect between our head and our heart of like I want to believe and I want to lean into this place of prayer but I just don't really believe it or feel it in my heart. I don't know that God's actually going to do what he says he's going to do. I don't know that I fully trust him. You see, this morning we're gonna look at the schemes and the tactics of the enemy that he places in our life to distract us, to pull us away from the things of God. My journey into prayer was an incredible struggle for several decades of my life. I was in Winston-Salem, North Carolina on a golf course in my 20s where I began to break through for the first time and that connection from my head to my heart, there was like this tether made and I began to feel it for the very first time and realize I can actually talk to God and tell him anything that I need. Because I grew up with this mindset that everything had to be perfect in my life. I had to say all the right words and it just became this blocker in my journey and my relationship with God where I couldn't even communicate to him. And I didn't want to because I knew that I didn't have the words to say. And I began to break through that day, and I just began to tell him exactly what I needed and share with him what was on my heart, and here's what happened as I experienced this incredible peace in my life and freedom, and at the end of that time, and I, I looked like a crazy person out there on the golf course, talking to myself, all by myself. As I heard these words, this thought came into my head, and I knew God was still listening to me as I sensed this inside, he said, is there anything else that you would like to share with me? I was like, God, thank you that you're still listening. God, thank you that you still care about what I have to say. And I knew in that moment that I could tell God anything that I needed and he could handle it. This week, I, have a, I had a couple dentist appointments. Those are a, always a joy, right? <laughs> Just brings joy to my heart. I, lo- I actually love my dentist, but I don't, like to go ever. And I had to go back uh, for a second visit on Friday morning. And so it was me, my dentist, and his wife. A special, special time. So, like, he's working on my tooth, and you know, I, I'm laying back in the chair, and he's got his light on, and he begins to tell me his faith journey. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. You know, it's like I got cotton in my mouth. I can't even communicate. And I'm like, this is a powerful story, but I sound like a complete moron trying to respond to it because I couldn't talk to him. And he began to tell me this story of how he, he wanted to believe the story of Jesus, and he wanted to believe in his heart, but he just he couldn't make that connection from his head to his heart. He was in his early 30s when this took place. And he was studying in, in dental school and, and one of his mentors set him down and they, he began to tell him this and he asked him this question. He said, if, if you had a dental issue, would your dentist make himself available to you if, if you had an issue? He's like, absolutely he would. I'm so thankful that he would do that. He said, "You're becoming a dentist." He goes, "Would you make yourself available if you had a patient and a client that needed a, a dental issue? And you, would you make yourself available to him?" He goes, "Absolutely, he would. I would. I'm very passionate about this. That's why I'm studying to become a dentist. Is because I want to help people with their teeth." And he looked across the, the table to my dentist that day, and he said, "It's the same with God. Is he wants to make himself available to you any moment." that you need him and some of us don't fully believe that in our heart you see many of us in our in this room have struggled in this space of prayer we haven't made that connection from our head to our heart it was no different for Jesus' disciples they struggled in this space of prayer in fact they came to him and said Jesus will you teach us to pray We need something that you can model for us to teach us. And Jesus leans into this, and we find this story in Matthew six, and he kinda gives them, he kinda sets this up as this posture. Matthew six, he says, when you pray, go into your room and close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. And this morning, every week during this series, we've been reciting the Lord's Prayer together. And I wanna invite you to stand with me one more time as we lean back into this prayer together, and we're gonna pray it corporately together. You'll see the words on the side screen. Will you say that with me this morning? Let's say it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. does a lot of polling for churches and Christians and, and they put together some data and a few years ago they, they did a poll on what Christians actually pray for. And I found this to be really interesting because I'm like, man, what, what is that? What do we actually pray for? I, I know what I pray for and the number one thing that we as, as Christians or followers of Jesus pray for is this, is friends and family, and I don't know about you, but I find myself spending a lot of time praying for friends and family. But the second one actually took me by surprise. It shocked me a little bit. The second thing that we most commonly pray for is this, is we pray for our enemies. Did you know that? Well done, great job. You actually pray for those that hurt you and offend you. Pastor Matt did a wonderful job talking about this last week. You should go back and listen to his message. But here's the third one. This is a little bit vain, all right? It's Super Bowl Sunday, and it just kind of fit as we pray for our sports teams. (laughs) I'm not praying for any sports team today. Many of you are Kansas City fans, and you're giving me the glare already. Maybe you're a 49ers fan. I'm just a bitter Dallas Cowboys fan, like Pastor Matt, (laughs) and it's okay. I am. I hung it up. Ephesians 6 gives us a beautiful story of actually what is going on in the spiritual realm. I wanna read this to you this morning. You'll see it on the screen. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, he repeats this again. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. He goes in to some things that we need to do as we put on the full armor of God. The first thing he addresses is this, is you need to put on the belt of truth. You need to know truth in your life. We get that through the word of God. He talks about this, he says, put on the breastplate of righteousness, that way you lean into these things of purity and holiness and what is good and true and right in our life. He says our feet need to be fitted with with peace when every room that we come into, that we bring peace with us. That's what being a man or woman after God's own heart looks like. He says, I want you to have the shield of faith. That way you can extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy that he's shooting at you continually. We're in a war. You may not realize that yet. Put on the helmet of salvation. Why, that your mind is set on the things of God. He says, and I want you to carry the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We need to put God's word in our heart and our mind. That way we can be ready to fight the schemes and the tactics of the enemy. And he closes out this passage, he says this, I want you to pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of requests. What is that saying to you and I? Is that there's no right method to prayer is we can come to God with any request that we may have, and we can come to him. We don't even have to vocally say it. It doesn't even tell us that in scripture. It's like, man, you can have a mental prayer where you say, God, I, I, I can't even get the words out right now but he tells us as he goes, I want you to be alert. I want you to stay on guard. Always keep on praying for the Lord's people. What does that look like? We need to hold each other up before the Lord as sons and daughters of the most high God, amen? You see, Ephesians tells us that there's a struggle going on, but it's not against flesh and blood. It's not even against each other. It's against the rulers and the authorities and the powers of this dark world against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We like to refer to this space as spiritual warfare in our our lives. And that may scare you a little bit, but I'm gonna try to make this as simple as possible for you as I can this morning. The spiritual warfare is this. It's taking a stand against the devil's schemes his lies, his tactics, his nonsense that he brings into your life. And we desperately need the armor of God to do that. We desperately need the armor of God. You see, Paul is laying out all these pieces of armor, and he illustrates them as a physical weapon. That way we could understand those and grasp hold of those in our mind. But when he comes to prayer, he doesn't compare it to a physical weapon. Why? Because there was nothing in the first century that was powerful enough to compare prayer to. I don't know that we have anything that's powerful enough to compare prayer to today. Prayer is the most powerful thing that we can do. Samuel, Samuel Chadwick said this in his Path of Prayer book. He says, Satan laughs at our toiling and he mocks at our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. He trembles when we pray. Here's the reality of this. If you don't know and recognize that you're in a battle, you're gonna lose that battle every time. We're in a battle for our souls. Not long, before Jesus goes and He gives the disciples this, this Lord's, the prayer that He taught them to pray, he experienced this testing in the wilderness. Let's look at it in Luke chapter four. It says this: "Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit." I want you to say this this morning, full of the Holy Spirit." The Holy Spirit. He left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. You see, the Spirit of God is available to you just like your dentist is available to you at any time that you need him. All you have to do is call out to him. He's available to you in times of joy. He's available to you in times of despair. He's available to you in the mundaneness of life when you are bored and say, God, I don't even wanna take a step further. This is is just not working out like I hope. The Spirit of God is available to you in that moment. My mom passed away in October of this past year, my biological mom. I didn't really have a relationship with her because I grew up in the foster care system and so she had given me up for adoption at birth, but I'd stepped in the last few years of her life to help her. She needed some skilled care and and really had become homeless and so she had passed away And so I I, the last several months I've just been thinking through of like, what am I going to do with her? How am I going to honor her? Because I didn't know her. And I was talking with one of my close friends down in Texas, and his brother had just recently passed away. And he was telling me how he had buried his brother on his grandpa's gravesite as he was cremated. And I was like, man, that that is a great idea, but I have no idea where her parents were buried. My grandparents, her, her mom and her dad actually lived here in Tulsa. And I did have a relationship with them, but they died back, I mean, almost 20 years ago. And so I did what any normal human would do is I opened up my computer and Google and I began to search if I could find where my grandparents were buried. And I found it in Haskell, Oklahoma. Come on, Bodie and Rachel, are you guys in the room? And so I make my way out to Haskell, America, this Friday, and and I'm driving around, I'm like, surely this isn't gonna be hard, because this is just a small country grave site, or grave cemetery, and it was a lot bigger than I anticipated, and I get out there, and I'm driving around, and I'm driving around, and hours are going by. And I'm like, I, I'm not gonna find it. And so I'm down at the far end of the cemetery and I pull over my car and I just hold my hands up and I was like, God, I, I need your help. I need your help to help me find this tombstone if it's here. <laughs> and I just sensed something inside of me that said, get out and walk. And so I began to walk, and I, I walked several of the plots and, and nothing. I'm just like weaving back and forth. I, I knew what the, the tombstone, the headstone had looked like, and so I, you know, I was like, man, I'm going to find it really quickly, and nothing. And so I'd gone to the next plot, and, and I'm like walking, and it, there's kind of like a little bit of hill, and so I'm making my way up, and still, like, I'm not finding anything, and I'm like making my way back down and, and honestly, I'd kind of given up hope that like I'm, I'm just not gonna find it. And I'm gonna head back home and we'll figure it out later. And I saw out of the corner of my eye this, this, this headstone that kind of looked like the one that I was looking for and, and I made my way around it and I saw it and it said, A. Lamar and Virginia Helm Camp. That means nothing to you. But I found it. I didn't think I was going to find this tombstone on my on my own. But with God's help, I did. See, why do I tell you that story story this morning? Because the spirit of God is available to you any time that you need him. This morning, we're leading into this space of lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. And God wants to show up in your life, whether you're in a little cemetery in Haskell, Oklahoma, or you're sitting in your living room, or wherever that may be, the spirit of God wants to show up in your heart, in your life, in your mind, and guide you, and direct you, and steer you, and he's available to you. You see, Jesus wasn't led into temptation, he was led into the wilderness. And we often get caught up in this as we think our, our bad habits and our bad behavior is why bad things happen to us. But maybe, maybe just like Jesus, is he's leading you into the wilderness to draw him, to draw you closer. To his heart, maybe he has something that he's wanting to reveal to you and deepen your faith in your life, give you a new revelation of his love. You see, we have to change our mindset to this as I'm going through this because God is doing something deeper in me that I'm yet to understand and he's increasing my faith even though it feels like right now that he's abandoned me, that I'm all alone. Being in the wilderness doesn't mean that you took a wrong turn. It didn't for Jesus. It didn't for Jesus. Jesus. You see being full of Jesus was being was full of the Holy Spirit and was led into the wilderness why because God was preparing his heart for what was about to happen. You see if you and I have any chance to overcome the schemes and the tactics of the enemy we have to be full of the Holy Spirit and we have to lean into this prayer as God lead me not into temptation but deliver me from the evil one and fill me with your spirit. Let's say that together this morning. Fill me with your spirit. See, Acts tells us this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You see, spirit-filled prayer is this. It's armed with the sword of the spirit. What is that? The word of God. Satan's tactics and his schemes haven't changed. The same tactics and schemes that he used on Jesus, he uses on you and I. And that's why it's so important that we arm ourselves, with the sword of the Spirit. I continually battle fear in my life, but God has given me 2 Timothy 1.7. Why? Because God has not given me a spirit of fear or timidity, but to give me a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. I continually battle worry in my life, and I lean into Philippians 4 to think about things that are true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and worthy of praise. And sometimes I just have to keep repeating that over and over over again until i believe it see i battle insecurity of saying you're not enough you don't have what it takes but god gave me joshua 1 when i was 17 years old he says i want you to be strong and courageous why because you're going to lead these people just like you led moses do not deviate to them study this book of instruction meditate on it day and night and then he says this this is the only time this word is used in the gospel and it has nothing to do with our career. And so when you meditate on me, when you study this book of instruction, then and only then will you be successful in everything that you do. You see, your identity and what you believe to be true about you needs to be completely wrapped up in the sword of the spirit. Completely wrapped up in the sword of the spirit. Not what your boss has to say about you, not what your neighbor has to say about you, not what your coworker has to say about you, not what your family member has to say about you, what God has to say about you. Here's the scheme that the devil tried out on Jesus. Scheme number one is this, is Satan packages a good thing as a God thing. The devil said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. You see, there's nothing morally wrong with eating bread when you're hungry. Any Texas Roadhouse fans in here? Yeah, you, you like those rolls. And you don't eat just one, I've, I've seen you there. It's okay to eat four or five rolls before your dinner at the Texas Roadhouse. Why, because you're hungry, they're good. And you know what, it actually made sense for Jesus to do this, why? Because he had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, and if he didn't eventually eat, what happens if you don't nourish your body As you die? But he knew, Jesus knew this, that this wilderness time was not quite over just yet. You see, he didn't eat the bread, why? Because he knew that I would show a lack of trust in his father. And what was more important is this, is obedience to his father was more important than eating some bread in that moment. You see, we have to pray, Father, lead me not in temptation, but deliver me from evil. This is a common scheme that the devil brings our way, as he packages a good thing as a God thing. And it takes being full of the Holy Spirit to recognize this isn't a God thing, this is just a good thing. When we started City Church, the first year, none of us were getting paid. And my, one of my close friends had hired me. He was a financial advisor here in town. And I began to work for him. In fact, I worked for him for three years. And I began to study and get some of my licensing and I was studying to get my securities license because he, we had been talking about what it would look like for me to become an advisor at the firm, and he you know, was getting a little bit older, and he's like, man, I, I even wanna talk to you about what it would look like for you to eventually take over the firm. This was a really good thing. Because Tabby and I had just gotten married, we just found out that we were pregnant with our first son, and I'm looking at this going, man, this is gonna be incredible for our family. This is a good thing. And I'm like holding this before the Lord, not knowing exactly what to do. And Pastor Matt asked to meet with me and I remember still sitting in his office and he looks at me and he's like, man, I I need to know, like are are you fully committed to City Church? I was like, I I honestly don't know. Here's what's going on. And we begin to pray about that and hold it before the Lord because it was a good thing. But it wasn't the God thing that he wanted for me. You see, Satan loves to take good things in your life and say that they're God things. But if we're not full of the Holy Spirit, we're gonna miss it every single time, no matter what it may be. The story goes on in Luke four, he says, "'The devil led him up to a high place "'and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms "'of the world, and he said to him, "'I will give you all their authority and splendor. "'It has been given to me, and I can give it "'to anyone I want to. "'If you worship me, it will all be yours.' "'And Jesus answered, it is written "'that you should worship the Lord your God "'and serve him only.'" The Bible tells us that Satan is the prince of this world that we live in, he has dominion over this world for a short period of time. He's trying to give Jesus this power and this authority. See, Satan tempts us to choose the painless over the process. God, lead me not into temptation but deliver me from evil and help me to never choose the painless over the process. See Satan came to Jesus and said, "Why don't you why don't you instead of doing things God's way, why don't you do things my way? Why don't you take the easy way? Instead of going through all these trials and temptations and going to the cross and laying down your life, why don't you just let me give you the world?" Instead of giving up your life to save the world, just take the painless way. You see, God always has his way. And typically, it's a little bit longer than you hope. (laughs) But Satan always tempts us to take the painless way over the process God's way. I love what C.S. Lewis says. Look at this on the screen with me. He says, we are not necessarily doubting that God will do the best for us. We are wondering how painful the best will be. God always wants what is best for us, but oftentimes his best for us is on the other side of something hard or painful. God always wants what is best for you and I. But oftentimes, it's on the other side of something very difficult that we don't wanna go through. Something painful. John Maxwell says this. He's a leadership guru that I've read several of his books over the years. And he says this, everything worthwhile is uphill. You want a good marriage, it's uphill. You wanna grow deep and be spiritually formed and grow deep in your faith, it's uphill. You want to find freedom from your addiction that you've been struggling with for years? It's uphill. You want to become the leader that you hoped that you would be? It's an uphill battle all the way. And here's the reality of where you and I live is we have uphill hopes, but we have downhill habits. Nobody's amen into that. (laughs) I get it. What are those areas of your life that you are tempted to avoid the process. What are those areas that God is leading you into? And you're saying, man, I I know this is gonna be hard. I know this is gonna be difficult. We need to pray into those. God, give me the strength to choose the process over the painless. God, lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from evil and help me to choose the process over the painless. The story continues in Luke 4, verse 9. He says, the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully and they will lift up their hands so you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Here's scheme number three. Look at this this morning. Satan tempts us to test God rather than to trust him. Satan tempts us to test God rather than to trust him. And this can be really tricky sometimes. I've heard this phrase mentioned at many conferences and even some of the mentors that I've had in my life say something very similar to this. If you're not doing something so big for God that he doesn't come through, you are going to fail. <laughs> you don't have, that. you're not living in faith if you're not living that kind of life. And you know what, that, that sounds really good, right? But here's the reality I want you to catch this morning. If God didn't specifically to ask you to get out on that ledge, you have no business being out there and you need to get back. Don't test him in that if he hasn't spoken to you about that. And here's how God shows up in our life is there's typically a confirmation through somebody. Our our community, our inner circle are, are you hearing this from the Lord? Be careful that you don't get caught up in the scheme of the enemy. Deuteronomy tells us this. He says, do not test the Lord your God. You see, God is the one who calls the plays and we trust him and do what he says and we pray this prayer. God, lead me not in temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. Help me to trust you not to tempt you. And we find in the story that Satan leaves and he leaves Jesus alone until an opportune time. This is how Satan works, is he's always watching. He's always listening and he's waiting to attack. That's why you and I, have to arm ourselves with the sword of the spirit, and I pull out First John four four, and I say this: Greater is He that's in me than He that is in the world. I look at Isaiah fifty four seventeen, and I say: No weapon formed against me shall prosper. First John five four says: Everyone born of God overcomes the world. Deuteronomy twenty verse four: The Lord your God is the one who goes before you; He fights for you to give you victory. This morning. I wanna ask you this question. Are you here and you're sick and tired of fighting these battles on your own? God's spirit wants to join you. And all we have to do is invite him in. Some of you are here this morning, is you're saying, man, that, that sounds really good. But you don't have that settled in your heart. And this morning, here's what I'm praying and believing for you, that this connection is made for you, that this tether from your head to your heart, and you begin to believe and begin to trust him like you never have, and you begin to call on him and invite his spirit to lead and guide and direct your steps every day of your life. I'm going to invite you to stand with me this morning as we pray together and we begin to prepare our hearts to come to the table this morning. Father, we thank you, God, for your word. And God, I pray this morning that we would recognize, God, there's a lot more going on than we realize. God, we're in a battle to fight the schemes and the tactics and the nonsense of the enemy. And God, I pray this morning that we would lean in to trust you like we never have before. God, that we would allow you to lead us by your spirit. God, that we would ask for you to lead us by your spirit. God, that we would begin to trust you in ways that we've never trusted you before. God, that you would open our eyes to things that we see as good and we recognize them. Yes, that's good, but that's not what God has specifically for me. And God, we would trust you in that space, in that area of our life. God, help us to stand and put on the armor of God to fight the schemes and the tactics of the enemy. God, grow us deep in you. Let us arm ourselves with the sword of the Spirit that we can speak to any tactic, any scheme that the devil brings our way. God, we love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want you just to stay in this place of prayer as we prepare our hearts this morning to come to the table. In the Gospel of Matthew, we find a story of Jesus in an upper room with his disciples. It's known as the Passover meal. And Jesus takes some bread and and he breaks it and he looks at his disciples and he says, take this and eat for this is my body. And he picks up the cup. He says, I want you to take this and drink it. This represents the blood that I'm going to shed for you, the forgiveness of your sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Every week, we get to come to the table to recenter our hearts and our minds and our souls. I'm so thankful for a church that believes in coming to the table. Here at City Church, we practice open communion. If you've never taken communion, you can do so today. We believe everyone is welcome at the table. Maybe you've never taken Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. You can do that this morning by simply believing in him. In a few moments, we'll have people standing in front of each section, and you can come down and grab a cracker and dip it in the juice, and you can take that and go back to your seat. I'm gonna pray for us as our communion team comes to prepare the elements this morning. Father, we thank you. God, first of all, that you are readily available to us any time that we need you. God, we thank you for that. God, that we can call out your name and ask you for help in any moment in any situation that we find ourselves in. And God, as we come to the table this morning, God, that you would just remind us of who we are in you. God, as we take the bread and dip it in the juice, God, to remember your body and your blood that you shed just for us. God, we give you glory and honor in Jesus name we pray and everyone said amen and amen you may come to the table